0: Welcome in, everyone, to this episode of the UGA Football Live podcast. I'm your host, J.C. Shelton, in partnership with the UGA Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. What is up, everyone? Glory, glory. Georgia shocks the nation. Stuffs Auburn, 27-6. Stetson Bennett, the mailman. Wow, that was beautiful to watch Bennett come in and lead this offense with conviction. And I was afraid we weren't going to see that this season, um, but hopefully we have found an answer at quarterback and can now begin to really fine tune this offense for a playoff run. I hope you got a chance to see Georgia beat Auburn this weekend. I know I enjoyed every bit of Saturday. Uh, but even if you didn't see the dogs or you just want to read some good stories and have the best Georgia content available to you, make sure and visit our website, ugawire.com. We have stories out every day to help keep you up to speed on Georgia football. So let's get into this week's show. I sat down with former Georgia Star receiver Tavares King, talk about what he sees from this young Georgia offense. And we even talked a little bit about his time playing with the Manning brothers. You know, that interview will be coming up after our game day recap in Tennessee preview. So it was week five in college football. What a beautiful weekend it was. I mean, things started off right after college game day went off. You know, unranked TCU got a close upset win at number nine, Texas, which means the Big 12 is in trouble, really. I mean, first, number three, Oklahoma, loses to Kansas State last week, and now Texas goes down this past weekend. Plus, Oklahoma dropped another one to Iowa State. So it looks like the Big 12 will be missing the playoffs if things stay the same. Uh, Number 12, North Carolina, escaped Boston College with a four point win, and Arkansas. How about the Razorbacks? I mean, Sam Pittman gets his first win in the SEC as a head coach versus Mike Leach in Mississippi State after Mississippi State just throttled LSU in the first week. So that was that was a wild thing to watch. I mean, we might have underestimated this Arkansas team. They made things difficult for Georgia's offensive line, and it, and it didn't seem like a fluke now. I mean, it would be cool to see Pittman really get things rolling in Fayetteville. That was about all of the big drama from the college football Saturday. I mean, staying in the SEC, Alabama took down Texas A&M 52-24. A&M is paying Jimbo Fisher a lot of money for him to be getting demolished by Nick Saban like that. I mean, if he can't get things going and compete with these top SEC programs like Georgia, LSU, Alabama more closely, I don't think he'll be there much longer. Um, LSU beat Vanderbilt 41-7. to so it looks like the Tigers are getting that roster finally settled back in from was just complete overhaul from last season. Um, Ole Miss and Kentucky, what a game that was. I mean, they were in a scoring battle, uh, which really made it a fun game to watch. The Wildcats end up losing to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in overtime, 41-42. to But the games that really mattered to Georgia fans the most were Tennessee versus Missouri and Florida versus South Carolina. We will get into Tennessee later, but Florida – You know, the SEC's favorite. They looked really good for three quarters or so versus Muschamp in South Carolina. Um, They let Carolina come back just a bit in the fourth quarter and their defense couldn't get off the field. You know, Trask looks like he's comfortable and he understands his progressions and matchup advantages right now. Trask to Pitts is a major matchup problem for most teams. Maybe not for the Georgia secondary when we face the Gators in a few weeks, but the Gators' defense still hasn't played well yet this season. I mean, they have issues on third down. They're just in the middle of the pack of the SEC in points allowed per game. They're 15th in yards allowed per game. And next week, they travel to Texas A&M. So that'll be number four versus number 21. And you know after georgia jumped florida in the polls after their dominant win over the tigers this past weekend um, it'll be interesting to see what florida can do versus a&m and if really if a&m can get a signature win if a&m could get an upset win at home over the gators that would help georgia a lot with our scheduling and how difficult it is for us with tennessee and alabama and then the gators coming up it would give us just a little bit of wiggle room to work and still be able to top florida in the east come december So now let's get into our game recap: Georgia versus Auburn. Tigers came in riding a hot start by quarterback Bo Nix in Week One when they played Kentucky. We figured it would be probably a low-scoring game, but I don't think anyone saw what actually happened coming with how UGA dominated the Tigers. I mean, final score was 27 to six. Georgia covered the six and a half point spread, and the game went under the 44 and a half total. I mean, even through Georgia's first two drives Saturday night, I saw the space that the offensive line was creating off the ball. Uh, I think they were really explosive, and I I wasn't sure if it was the same group in there that we saw versus Arkansas a week earlier. But uh, it turns out Warren McClendon, the redshirt freshman, former four-star, got the start at right tackle over Owen Condon, the redshirt sophomore, who started last week. Senior center Trey Hill, who had issues snapping last week, uh, seemed to find his rhythm and uh, played a lot better this week as far as snaps. And he's such a great blocker. It's important that we have him there in the middle of the offensive line. It took a bit for Bennett to start connecting with receivers. I think the turning point for him was really the rollout pass to Kiaris Jackson on third down in the red zone. That was the second drive after the first three and out where he had a couple balls sail on him. I think he was a little hyped up you know which is perfectly understandable it was his first start for georgia so he's going to have some growing pains as far as nervousness and adrenaline so it was good to get that out of the way uh, early. I think that that turning point though, the rollout pass to Karras from that point on, Georgia they could do whatever they wanted because of the line creating the space they were as well. I mean White, McIntosh, and Cook were eating up yards all game. I mean it made it easier for Todd Monken as a play caller just because of all the second and third and shorts he was facing. I mean it's a lot easier to call a second and five than it is second and eight so it was refreshing to see this Georgia offense really take some shape and getting an identity behind this zone running game and these RPOs defensively I really can't talk about the front seven enough in this one I mean they had to overcome the count being thrown out because of the targeting call early Um, I feel like the secondary really showed off in the win versus Arkansas in week one but this game was about the guys up front I mean Aziz Ojolari outside linebacker was in the Auburn backfield all game he racked up five tackles three for a loss added a sack Junior outside linebacker Adam Anderson went off. I mean, he almost gets lost in all the stars on this Bulldog defense, but he had a monster game with two sacks. His speed on the outside, he looked definitely dangerous as an outside rusher. So we're excited to see some more of that coming up. Um, I think the main reason that this Auburn team struggled was because of their blocking. I mean, Bo Nix was never able to get comfortable and it really seemed to kill any momentum that their offense had uh, going. I mean, they're used to, creating momentum with their hurry up scheme and how they spread the ball around and take shots and have zone reads to where Bo Nix can keep it and really spread out the defense but they weren't able to because of our domination up front and I'll dive into the numbers a little bit third down efficiency the Bulldogs were 9 of 14 Auburn was 6 of 15 total yards for the Bulldogs 442 to Auburn's 216 passing yards Auburn 177 Georgia 240 and rushing this is the big stat here rushing yards for auburn 39 compared to georgia's 202 yards on 45 attempts that's good for four and a half yards per rush and the time of possession georgia 34 minutes of possession and a few players that really stood out to me uh my overperformers of the week will go stetson bennett 17 of 28 for 240 yards and a touchdown it was really good on third down um Zamir White, 19 carries, 88 yards, two touchdowns. And if you have any questions about Zamir's knees, just go watch those two touchdowns because his lateral movement there was a great sign. I don't think he has any reservations in his running right now kiaris jackson nine receptions for 147 yards and we'll now we'll get into this because i really want to talk about how kiaris has emerged as georgia's second receiver kiaris jackson once again i mean we said i said it last week he looks so explosive when he had the ball in his hands last week and punt returns and in his six receptions for 62 yards i think he had led the team and now this week he leads the team once again but it's on nine receptions 147 yards along of 49 yards that was really sweet. I mean, if, if Stetson would have let him just a bit more, that's a touchdown. Um, it seems to me like Karras is really be benefiting from George Pickens being our number one receiver and guys having to match up with him and really take him seriously on the other end. So I'm really excited to see how Todd Monken continues to draw up plays to get Karras open and maybe he can help take the pressure off Pickens moving forward. But yeah, so the key for me against Auburn was that offensive line performance. I think they get the nod there which is definitely encouraging ahead of Georgia versus Tennessee this weekend, Saturday at 3.30 p.m. in Athens, the number three Bulldogs versus the number 14 volunteers. So Jeremy Pruitt, former Georgia coach, now the leader at Tennessee. He's been there for a couple of years now, since 2018. The Volunteers score just over 30 points per game, uh, they beat South Carolina 31 to 27 in week 1, beat Missouri last weekend 35 to 12. They're led by redshirt senior QB Jarrett Garantano, he has 61% completion rate and 143 QBR through 2 games. Uh, their leading receiver is number 5 senior Josh Palmer. And Ty Chandler, the running back, leads the SEC in rushing, and he has no negative rushes so far this season. Him and Eric Gray split carries at running back. They actually total the second-best rushing attack in the SEC behind a line that features four five-star prospects, including Cade Mays, who transferred in from Georgia last season. And then on the defensive side, linebacker DeAndre Johnson leads the SEC in sacks with four. Uh, they returned their entire defensive line from last year. So the question is, how do we stack up versus Tennessee in this game? I mean, Kirby Smart came out and said in a press conference earlier this week that Tennessee has a combination of really good backs. They have experienced quarterback and a very experienced offensive line. He said that'll be the by far the biggest test that we've had this season. I think the key matchups to watch – and to really understand this game is going to be, once again, the offensive line and defensive line. I feel like in the SEC games like this that are very tight, that both talented teams – Good coaches. It comes down to the line play, and Kirby mentioned it last week when he talked about Auburn. He felt that Auburn just didn't have the guys up front that Georgia has, but he does say that Tennessee is a different animal. So watch these guys up front. Watch the D line versus the Tennessee O line and their rushing attack. If we can stop Tennessee from running the ball. It's a lot like Auburn's offense. If you can stop Tennessee from rushing the ball, it throws their whole offense off, and it'll put pressure on Garantano to make plays happen. And then that's when our secondary comes through with turnovers and big plays. For the Bulldogs to leave with a win here, I think we have to lean on our rushing game and really lean on our defense um, like we have been and like we should be doing because they are that good. So big, exciting one this weekend. I will actually be in the stadium for this one, so I'm even more pumped than I usually am. But now we are moving on to our interview, our guest of the week, Travaris King, former Georgia receiver. I had a great conversation with him, so I hope you all enjoy it. So I'm here with Tavares King, a former Georgia Bulldog, spent time in the NFL, um, now trains receivers for the Combine. He's also with Rowdy Wellness in Atlanta, a CBD company. Um, so welcome in, man. Thanks so much for being with us. So take us through, what's Rowdy Wellness?
1: Rowdy Wellness is a, a CBD company based out of Atlanta. Here in Atlanta, we, uh, we pride ourselves on making... Um, quality, high quality CBD products. Um, we're partner with second century AG. Um, we do a lot of special things. We do some things with the Shepherd Shepherd Center, um, Retwi School of Autism. We just want to change the narrative on um, you know cannabis and, and, and help out in this in our country's opioid epidemic really.
0: So, I'm actually interested in uh, your time with the Giants. I was just – just as a football fan, um, when you – I think you played, what, 2015, 2018 in there with them Giants?
1: Yep. Uh, Yeah, 15 15 through 17, I was there with them. Man, it was uh, was a really awesome time, really, uh, just to be around some more crazy, phenomenal receivers and guys like Victor Cruz, Odell, obviously – and then on the tail end of uh, my stint with the Giants, Brandon Marshall came in. So I've got I got to learn the game from these outrageous minds, man. Um, learn how to run stopping goals from Odell, and just uh, things like that. Learn how to play the side position from Victor Cruz. It was it was it was a phenomenal time to be in my career for me to be around those guys. It was a it was a blessing for me to be around those guys. Sterling Shepard, my bad. Whew, Shep is a dog. <laughs> Oh uh, man! I mean, it was it was it was awesome, bro. It was so cool, man. And that
0: city, that city is amazing. Yeah. So you got to you got to play with so many great receivers, and that's what I was I was looking at before we talked, and saw how many great receivers you play with. And I know as a student of the game and somebody who teaches these guys now, that's so helpful for you because you can bring those aspects that those guys taught you. You know, like you were saying, Victor Cruz in the slot position. Right. You know what what can I do in the slot to make it easier for my quarterback now? Right. So. You know, watching this Georgia team now at receiver, you have we have George Pickens, right? You know, he's so he was the number one uh, receiver for us, definitely in the ACC as well, I think. But after that, I mean, we had Blaylock go down with an injury. After he's out, we had to answer that: who's going to be the next guy to step up for us? We Karis Jackson, I think, is that guy. Yeah, he's proved it. So, yeah what what do you what do you think about Karis' breakout versus Auburn? Do you think it was? something that we can keep utilizing him across from George Pickens or in the slot? And how would you go about opening up some space for these guys?
1: One of the biggest things been watching the game, running the ball. We The way that we run the ball is going to open up things tremendously, first of all. But that being said, Kiaris, man, he is he is stepped up crazy now. And I think that's huge because it reminds me, it's similar to, it reminds me of us in two thousand and twelve, when you can spread the ball around, it helps the offense out so much more when you can run the ball and you can spread the ball around and they' don't, they can't just key in on big george pickens It's huge um watching the film, I saw uh I think my man Matt landers on a Stetson, Stetson, Stetson had him on a go. i think my ma- my man Matt Landers could have should have dug just a little bit more he'd had another one Man, I, I think I think that we've got a really good receiver squad, honestly, I think that we can spread the ball around. And take pressure off George and allow him to get one on one
0: matchups. As a receiver and somebody who's played so long, I mean, how how would you get our tight ends involved more? For me, these offenses, um, especially the way that guys are taking advantage of spaces with running backs and tight ends, like you look at last night when the Packers played Atlanta. I mean, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers was seventeen and seventeen to his running backs and tight ends for that game, seventeen and seventeen. They, you yeah. look at that and how they utilize the receivers and tight ends, I mean the running backs and tight ends, and it creates these offensive opportunities for them. So how do we do that with our offense?
1: Man, those RPOs, um, all of those things have to be like handoffs almost. So like those little throws to the tight ends in the flat, those little throws to, to the tight ends on crossing routes, um, they have to be huge. But a way that we, we can continue to do well with our tight ends, is attacking the middle of the field. And that's something that I'm loving that we're doing, man. It's so cool. Shout out to Coach Munkin again. Because um, we we haven't, for the past couple of years, we haven't attacked the, the, the middle of the field.
0: So that's going to be big against Tennessee coming up this week. Jeremy Pruitt. Defense is going to be so aggressive against us right off the bat. How do the receivers create some space, give you know their young quarterback, Stetson Bennett, his first road start? How do they give him an upper hand?
1: One, first thing first, play fast. Play fast. Um, play physical. Jeremy teams are physical. Um, I, I feel like they'll be in our face at the line of scrimmage, so we'll have to be physical. And, and luckily, we've got a big physical guy out there, so um, not necessarily worried about that. Um, but cover two, those verticals will be huge. Hitting, hitting the middle of the field will be huge because the middle of the field will be open with those safeties dropping to the zones. Um, those tight ends this week. Like we talked about, will be will be huge. Fitzpatrick, um, as well as Big O. I like Big O, man. We got to find a way to get Big O more targets, big dog.
0: I did want to ask you some more for me than the podcast, but uh, so Eli Manning, man, do you have any funny stories? What was it like playing with him?
1: <laughs> man, that's but hey, I I love T, and I had the pleasure of playing with both Mannings, man. So what?
0: Yo, you played with you played at Denver, didn't you?
1: Yeah, man. So I played with P and and Eli. So. 10, Ten is so cool, dude. He, he's, he's a cat that again, one of those guys that I've I've never been to the facility and not seen his his Toyota there. But no, man, he's he's a, he's a phenomenal um, teammate. He, well, he was a phenomenal teammate, phenomenal guy. Uh, man, he, he he was just a hard worker. I I love working and playing with him.
0: But you said Peyton, Peyton's probably like the opposite, right?
1: Yo, which is so crazy, like um, and too, I had him on both the opposite ends of my career. I had P on a, um my rookie year, so I'm coming in, yeah, just coming in with a guy that uh, man, I was just, I mean, you, I played Madden with Payton, man, and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, so I I knew everything about P. So I just was starstruck when I got there, man. Um, as well as Tim Bailey was there, so I played with some famers, man. Pay Peyton was Peyton was a sheriff, brother. <laughs> he was the sheriff. Uh what he said went, man. Uh if you if you want if you ran if you wanted it at 18 back to 16 and you went 14, nah. He would
0: catch that difference.
1: Oh yeah, man. He was he was bad. But that that's what you man that's what it That's made. what you want, right? He was the same way. Um uh he was the same way, but 18 was just different about it, man. He was just different about it. And again, I came in at a point in his career where it was it was winning time. So he was about no no BS. So uh man, it was it was it was awesome being able to learn from him. I learned so much from the way that he prepared for the game, the way that he watched film, the way that he broke down defenses. Like he was just, man, his mom was just crazy.
0: That's so cool. I love hearing about stuff like that, man. Travis, it's been so awesome talking to you, man. I really appreciate the time you spent with us. We're excited for Georgia versus Tennessee this weekend, and we're hoping the Stetson can lead his dogs in there and get a big W for us. Thanks again, man. Oh
1: uh, yeah, appreciate you.
0: Big thanks once again to Tavares for coming on and talking with me. Um, Had a lot of fun talking about NFL football with him, especially, I mean, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. It's always cool to talk about um, as someone who grew up watching them um, and Tavares played with both of them. So that was really fun. Now we move on to our dogs in the NFL week four action. First off, we got started Nick Chubb. I mean, he led both of our previous weeks as the number one dog in the NFL. And um, unfortunately, last week he went down with a MCL injury. He will miss three to six weeks. Um, We all know Chubb. We all know that he's a hard worker and his time in the weight room goes unmatched. So I expected him to be back and healthy soon. Dogs in the NFL, who performed best? Todd Gurley racked up 57 yards on 16 carries, added two touchdowns, and the Falcons lost to Green Bay. DeAndre Swift caught four passes on four targets for 30 yards and a touchdown while adding four carries for 22 yards on the ground and the Lions lost to the Saints 35 to 26 and a hot rod went 4-4 with a long of 44 yards and one for one in extra points. Um, Now listen to this he has made 12 field goals and 45 points scored so far which is tied for the fourth most by a rookie in their first four games in NFL history. That's awesome. I mean, it's so great to see Hot Rod playing so well for Indianapolis. I mean, he didn't even have the job coming into training camp. He had to fight for the job, ended up winning the job right before the season started. So awesome to see him doing well. And then to round out our dogs in the NFL, Michael Hardman, his second week in a row on the list, totaled four receptions just for 27 yards, but he had a really cool touchdown. Great play call by Kansas City Chiefs coach Andy Reid. Um, if you haven't seen that one, go look that one up and to end today's show let's talk about the Braves and the Falcons for a minute the Falcons are 0-4 now and a Monday night loss to the Packers it honestly wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be I thought we would get beat like 50 something to 10 I mean 30 to 16 only by two touchdowns that's not bad at all I mean I fully expected us to give up at least 50 points so good job on the defense there I'm really still surprised that Dan Quinn isn't fired yet I mean an 0-4 start I would have probably guessed that he would have been by now. But it looks like Arthur Blank is going to ride Dan Quinn out the rest of the season unless uh, we can't get a win here soon. Uh, we have Carolina on Sunday at 1 p.m., so hopefully we can get our first win there. In other better news, the Atlanta Braves, 2-0 now, and now in the NLDS, 2-0 and versus the Marlins. I'm recording on this on Wednesday, so... Yesterday was Tuesday, and Tuesday's first game, Ronald Acuna, our star leadoff hitter, one of the best young talents in baseball, gets hit in the hip with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball the next at-bat after he homered to lead off the game. I mean, this is the fifth time he's been hit by the Marlins pitching staff. I mean, I just don't get why the MLB can't protect their players here. If I were the Braves, I would be really upset about the whole situation. And as a player, I mean, I wouldn't feel protected. So I think that's something that needs to be changed moving forward. But anyway, the Braves are already up 2 to nothing over the Marlins. We won again today. So that's awesome. I'm not getting my hopes up too much because as an Atlanta sports fan, it is my job to be skeptical from the last second in case something horrendous happens. But what I've seen from this team this postseason has been awesome. Um, the bats are still going. Our pitching has been really clutch in this first part of the postseason. We've completely shut batters down and shut teams' lineups down. So it's really exciting to watch. And uh, and a really all I'm hoping for is right at this moment is just for Ronald Acuna to hit eight homers next game and to wipe the Marlins off his face leaving the building. But at any rate, that is it for me today, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Please rate, subscribe, review. Follow us on Twitter, UGA Football Live. Follow me on Twitter, J underscore Shelton underscore. Send me all your takes, your ideas, what you see from the Georgia game on Saturday. We'll be there. We'll be watching and covering this one. So see y'all next week and stay safe. Thanks.